Well, good morning, Harvest Church. It is good to be with y'all today. You know, last night I was up uh, a little nervous to preach, and there's very common reasons to be nervous to preach. Fear of, you know, public speaking, people watching you. Um, It could be, you know, how well do you know your sermon or don't know your sermon. Uh, I was nervous for a very different reason. I have seasonal allergies. Pre-March, seasonal allergies weren't really a big issue. And post-March, seasonal allergies look very similar to other things that we are going through culturally right now. And I was like, oh no, what do I have to do if I have to sneeze? Do I put my mask on? And then I have to sneeze into my mask? And, and some of you are laughing, and I think it's primarily women who are laughing right now, and it's because you guys actually don't sneeze. You ever heard a woman sneeze? Achoo! 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 When I sneeze, it's like Microsoft Windows 98 is crashing. You get the blue screen of death, a bunch of coding comes up, you have to hit Control-Alt-Delete a bunch of times, and then eventually you just get angry and have to restart the entire computer. And then especially, not just that, but we're a, we're a culture on edge. Like, if I sneeze up front here, I'm guaranteed to be under elder discipline and burned at the stake within five minutes. <laughs> Why? We're a culture on edge right now. And in these moments when we're a culture on edge, our words become that much more important. In fact, biblically, the, the Word of God talks about the, the, the tongue and the speech of a fool and the tongue and the speech of a wise man. And let's face it, never before in all of human history, especially with technology, has there been more ways for our tongue to have runway. And so today I'm pushing into what does the tongue of a fool look like and what does the tongue of a wise man look like? And I think it's going to be also important to, to remember because instantly you're going to be like, oh, this is going to be really good for Karen in accounting. Like... <laughs> And first of all, it's always a Karen. I totally agree with you. But here's the deal. You ready? What we're about to study, what we're about to dive into, it's good for me and it's good for you, not just another person. I am guilty of having the tongue of a fool at times. And we cannot have this conversation right now. We cannot learn. We cannot grow. We cannot go into God's design if we do not have humility. I think the word of God classifies the tongue as an unbelievably powerful muscle. And the tongue of the fool is powerful, but used for destruction. You just heard Jesse read through James 3, and and you start to see, like, the Lord gives these really great little diagnoses. Here's a marker for the tongue of a fool. Here's Here's a marker for the tongue of the fool. Look at James 3, verse 6. Look at your words. The the tongue of a fool torches everything around it. This tongue, it's a fire. It's a world of unrighteousness. The the tongue is set amongst our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and is set on fire by hell. Never seen that verse on a coffee mug before. You see, in in the Bible, there's a lot of imagery for fire, and and a lot of the imagery is for purification, not here. This imagery of fire is alluding to deep damage and destruction. The fool's tongue, according to the book of James, spreads fire. 
But look at where the spark started in this verse. Hell. Isn't that fascinating? One of the greatest tools of darkness in this age, one of the greatest tools of the enemy is the tongue. And I think the enemy greatly desires to use the tongue of the unsaved and the saved. James is saying that that this tongue, it sets fire to the whole body, to the entire course of life. What this phrase, course of life, refers to, it says that it sets a fire to the furthest parts of an individual's life. Whatever they touch, it goes out to that area. It sets fire to every relationship, every circle, and every interaction that they have. Proverbs 16, 27 even alludes to this greater. A foolish man's speech is a scorching fire. The fool's tongue sets wildfires around themselves, which is why it's so devastating to look at. A great measure to see if a person's tongue is foolish is to look at their relationships. Look at a marriage. Look at work. Look at friendships. And you're going to see scorched earth. There's a ton of hurt people around them. There's a ton of strained relationships around them. And all you can really see is a ton of damage in their life. The fool and the tongue of the fool sets fire to their relationships. It sets fire to the very thing they're called to cultivate. All the while justifying to themselves of their rightness and others' stupidity. So James is saying that they're going to, that the tongue of the fool, it torches everything around them. But then James goes on even further to say this, the tongue of a fool is unbridled. It's in James 3, 7 through 8. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. James is using Genesis language right here. God said to the world, and, and he put man into it, and he goes, cultivate and tame. It's called the cultural mandate. And James is showing us here that it's going, you can tame many things. You can tame many creatures. You can tame many landscapes. But the tongue is in a league all of its own. James is showing us that apart from the Lord, our tongue runs us, not the other way around. The fool's tongue has them. The fool's tongue has subdued them. The fool's tongue runs them and has a position of power over the very person. Perhaps the scariest display of a foolish person's tongue is that it's an audible demonstration of a lack of the work of the Lord in their life. Think of that for a second. Perhaps the scariest demonstration audibly of a foolish person's tongue is that it gives you a reading of a lack of the, of the work of the Lord in their life. The fool's tongue can sound loud. It can always appear right. It can be very eloquent. But the fool's tongue is just a muscle in their spiritual life to further demonstrate their bondage and lack of freedom. So we see in James, the the fool's tongue, it torches that which is around it. It's unbridled. And James further pushes in. It's hypocritical in nature. It's found in verses 9 through 11. 
Look at this duplicitous tension in the text. Look at it, 9 through 11. With it, we bless our Lord and we curse those made in his image. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things not ought to be so. Does a spring pour, pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The fool's tongue shows a lack of self-awareness. The fool's tongue has double speak to it. Out of one side of its mouth, it praises its creator, and out of the other side of its mouth, it slanders those who are made in the creator's image. James is saying that the, the, fool, the, the tongue of a fool is like a spring that gives fresh and salt water. It can't. It's contradictory by nature. James is saying that the tongue of the fool is like a, a fig tree that gives olives. It can't. It's alluding that the tongue of the fool makes them act in a way that is counter to their species. When the tongue of a fool has full vent and is talking, you are acting literally outside of your own species as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now listen, I lived in the South for about eight or nine years. Lived in Virginia. And so I learned a couple Christian-isms along the way. And it kind of goes like this. You ready? So when you're talking about another person, you're like, hey, you know that Matt King? Jeez, what a sack of sin. This guy has so many issues. He can't do this right. 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 He can't even lop a tree. He can't even tapcon properly. God bless his heart. <laughs> Praying for that brother. Slanders, slanders, slanders. Jesus bumper sticker at the end because it'd be unchristian not to. <laughs> and so really, whenever you hear the God bless your heart praying for you, you're kind of, you're warming yourself up to the blow because you're like, okay, well, okay, you're, you're using that to, because you can't just straight out slander me because that doesn't feel very religious. So really, you're going to warm me up with a little bit of Jesus speak while blasting me all at the exact same time. This is that duplicitous tension that James is talking about right here. One of the most dangerous things about fool's tongue is that it fails to acknowledge who it's addressing. Every conversation we have with another person in this season, I don't care if it's politics, I don't care if it's face masks, you're not just addressing a topic, you're addressing another image bearer. When we don't, when we don't see another person for who they are as an image bearer, then we're addressing a person and we're failing to see them in a way the Lord sees them. Therefore, dignity, respect, worth, and value go out the window. And suddenly the fool's tongue brings in blast, hurt, and humiliation in their speech because the person fails to see they're not just addressing a topic. They're addressing another image bearer of our Creator. So we see the tongue of the fool. It torches everything around it. It's unbridled and it's hypocritical. And here's the last one. It's quick and wounding. I have found, especially like when you look at social media right now or culture and conversations, the greatest book I've been finding comfort in lately is the book of Proverbs. 
Proverbs has been tremendously insightful for me to know how to categorize things that I'm walking through right now. And Proverbs 12, 18 says this, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. In today's culture, so much of the tongue, so much about speech is about being first to speak and loudest to speak. The tongue of the fool always has to interrupt and talk. By the way, this can be found within the church. The tongue of the fool is not just quick to speak, but it's cutting when it speaks. It doesn't just address the topic. It attacks the other person that they're addressing. It gives zero thought to the other person's perspective. It gives no time to think. It gives no category for the fact that they might actually even be wrong. Proverbs 18.13 even addresses it. It says it's unwise to give an answer before one hears. The tongue of the wise takes time to listen. The tongue of the fool just starts talking. So we've seen the four markers of, of a fool's tongue. Let's take four markers of the wise man's tongue. The, the tongue has the power for destruction. Yes, it does. And simultaneously, the tongue has the power for hope. The wise man's tongue. The, the mark of a mature believer, the mark of the wise man's tongue, isn't just that they have truth. That's too easy. You want to know how you've progressed past a spiritual kindergarten? It's because on your tongue is both truth and tone. So what does a wise man's truth and tone of that truth look like? The, the wise man's tongue is wise and discerning. You can see this in Proverbs 16.23. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Judicious speech, it means words being delivered with sound judgment and sense. Think of a person in your life that when they speak, you naturally start listening to. Why? It's because when, when they're communicating about a topic, when they're speaking, they're not just communicating it from an angle that is accurate. They're speaking into it with a weight that you naturally respect. Their words, because of the truth they have and the tone in which they're communicating, you lend your ear to them greater and greater and greater. The tongue of the wise is the tongue of the, of the wise man is wise and discerning, but the tongue of the wise is also gracious. Proverbs 16:24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. It's very easy to think our words only address a topic. But the wise man knows his words don't just address a topic. His words impact the soul of another. It's unbelievable how the right word at the right time, even in crisis, can change everything. Many of you know how sick I got last week. And when we were in the ICU in Toronto, how many of you reached out? I'm thinking about it right now. How many of you reached out with a word? 
And it was a word of wisdom. And we were in crisis, not knowing what was going on or how it was going to play out. And yet your words of wisdom into my wife and into me in that season were like healing. As many medications were being pumped into my body, you guys were giving a word of medication to my soul. And it was life-giving to me in that moment. The words of the wise man give life to the person that it's addressing. It doesn't take life from. And so the words of the wise man, it's wise and discerning, it's gracious, but it's also healing. Proverbs 12, 18. I, you heard me address the fool speech where it goes, there are words that are rash and like sword thrusts. The second part of this verse, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The mark of the believer is not to be a cutter, but a healer. Our words should have an undertow of gentleness and of humility, even in hard conversations. Imagine if we as a church, as Harvest Muskoka, the church as a whole, were marked by a philosophy that in every interaction we had with another human being, we left them more encouraged and hopeful than when we started the conversation with then a world would look into us and say, they believe some things very different than us. But man, are they loving. Man, are they safe. And man, are they welcoming. The fool's tongue sets fire to what it's around. But the wise man's tongue brings healing and hope to what it's around. And so the tongue of the wise, of the wise man, it's wise and discerning. It's gracious. It's healing. And here's a really hard one. You Ready? The wise man's tongue is not always talking. Probably not a popular verse right now. But you look at Matthew 26, and it's Christ being on trial. They're getting ready to, to work through the, he's being slandered, he's being cut. They're saying crucify him. He's being brought before the Romans. He's being brought before the, the Jews. And in these moments, he, he's being slandered, he's being lied to, he's being accused and in Matthew 26, it says, and Christ remained silent. What a fascinating verse. A world would look into that silence and say, what a weak man. But I think at the apex of human foolishness, of creation slandering its creator to his face, I see a wise and strong and bridled Savior. The tongue of the wise is not always talking. We are not called to engage in everybody's wildfire and to jump in with more cans of gasoline. The tongue of the wise man also realizes he cannot control the tongue of the fool. The wise man acknowledges, though, he can control his own tongue. And one of the greatest displays at times of Christian maturation is not engaging a person when that other person's giving full vent to their foolishness. And so we see the four markers of a, of a foolish man's tongue. We see the four markers of a wise man's tongue. So then what is our response? Because James just outed, we cannot tame this crazy muscle. Here it is. It's our call. Surrender the rudder. 
We have to surrender the rudder. James is talking about this tiny little rudder. It steers the direction of the ship and the destination of the ship. And, and God is going, this tongue is this rudder, and you're not going to be able to tame it. So what's our response? And it's this, we have to surrender the rudder. Psalm 141, verse 3, I love David. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. David is asking God, set a guard over my tongue, set a guard over my mouth, set a guard over my lips. David is asking God, you be the God of my tongue, because my tongue is trying to be the God of me. And imagine a church, a believer, whose tongue is bridled and guarded by the Lord. And you're like, Matt, I love what you're saying. What does that look like? How do you surrender your tongue to the Lord? I think three of the greatest ingredients that a wise and guarded tongue that is given to the Lord has is this, one, prayer. And you're like, well, Matt, that's an easy cop-out. Let me flesh it out a little bit more. It's having time with the Lord. Lord, search my heart. Search my tongue. Has my speech been grievous to you and to those who I have been around? and actually having enough time to hear back from the Lord. Asking and inviting the Holy Spirit, Lord, Holy Spirit, press in, show me. Show me my tongue. Is it the tongue of a wise man or, is it, or do I have the tongue of a fool today? The three ingredients, prayer and time in the word. Why? You want to have the words of Christ? Look to the words of Christ. And you're going to start to see there's a lot of things that Christ didn't directly address in the New Testament, by the way. You know what his stance on face masks is? I don't know. It's not in there. But then you start to see how many times he is gracious and loving in his interactions, especially at times with people who just don't get it and don't see it. We want to understand the tone and the truth. Then we have to look to his greatest revelation of this truth and the tone in which we communicate it. And then finally, it's with accountability. You're inviting men and women into your life who will have the confidence to call you on your wildfires, who will call you out when your rudder is aiming you in the wrong direction, going to the wrong destination. See, the fool's tongue will never have the boldness to interact with the Lord. The fool's tongue will never have the time to be in the word And the fool's tongue will never have the humility to have biblical community address it. But the wise man's tongue will have the boldness to go before the Lord and ask to be searched by him. The wise man's tongue will have the time to seek the words of the Lord. And the wise man's tongue will have the humility to welcome community, to hold them to task. You're like, Matt, there's a lot of Proverbs verses, and I want to give you guys a challenge, and it's this. If you go onto a lot of our social media right now, I've uploaded a page of key verses and Proverbs about the tongue. Put it beside your computer. Put it beside your workstation. Put it on your fridge. And let that sift your thoughts throughout the week. Am, am I having the tongue of a wise man, or am I having the tongue of a fool? Every human being is an image bearer. As Christians, we have to take the image that we bear very seriously. And part of being an image bearer is that our speech bears the image of our creator. 
Our words need to reflect his. Our truth needs to reflect his. And our tone needs to reflect his. The tongue of a mature and wise believer of Jesus and the truth and the tone of a follower of Jesus is wise and discerning, is gracious, is healing, and is not always talking. And if we're ever going to walk this out in our life with one another as a church and as we gauge the world around us, it doesn't start with our loudness, it doesn't start with our rightness. It doesn't start with us making sure we win every conversation we engage in. It starts with us humbling ourselves before the Lord. It starts with us surrendering the rudder, our tongues, and asking God to be our God, our guard and our filter at the same time. Church, will you pray? Lord, in a world that is very loud and very angry right now, in a world, Lord, that is extremely um, divided and divisive. God, in a, uh, a world that is about being first and being loudest, I pray, God, would we be a people who have our tongues tamed, not because of just um, our, 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 our efforts or our wisdom, but Lord, would it be because you are our guard and you are our filter? I thank you for your word where it just pushes into these areas. And even as you push into these areas with your, with um, Lord, even hard and, and very straightforward words, I thank you, Lord, that, that you do it in a way that it corrects your child in a way that leads to greater flourishing. So, Father God, I pray in these moments, as we examine, as we autopsy our week, and we see who we've talked to and what we've talked about, I pray, Lord, would you steer this rudder? Would you point it in a direction that is your direction and your destination? Would a hurting, confused world look at your children, would look at us as Harvest Muskoka, and in these moments, would they say that that, that, that that is a group of people that is gentle, that is quick to listen, that is safe, that is approachable. And yes, I know they might disagree with me on things, but man, are they loving about it. And so, Lord, I thank you that as, as we bear your image, we're also called to bear your words. Lord, help us to navigate these hard times. Help us to navigate these, these difficult discussions that we're often finding ourselves in. And Lord, would we win relationships, not compromise them? Would we stomp out these wildfires and not spread them? And Lord, would we be a church and a people, not of quick, thrusting words, but of gentle compassion and then healing to the soul, I pray. In Christ's name, amen.